Awesome. Very good. Why don't you all take a seat? Take a seat on the way down. Tell everybody what you're going to do tomorrow on your long weekend. Um, if the answer is go to work, um, whoever hears that response, um, thank them for the, making your weekend good and really sympathise with them for having to go to work on the long weekend. Um, before I get started, um, I just want to take a moment to honour Pastor Sam and Kay. Um, we've known Sam and Kay for a long time. Um, Sam actually married Kate and myself. Um, we were, I think we were his first wedding. And I, we've got, a, we've got a, long, a lot of young adults here, so there's a lot of people who aren't married. Um, but wedding photos, it's, it's a thing. Like, I look back at, we've been married for eight years now, and we look back at our wedding photos. And if you're, if you're not married yet, you look back at your parents' wedding photos and you go, oh, we were not, we thought we were cool. We were a bit out of fashion. What was that hair? So I look back and I see myself and I see Sam's hair, which, was, which, which has also come a long way, so we thank you for that. But, but no, really, um, we've known these guys for a long time. And... Um, <laughs> if, I had, if I had three words to describe Sam and Kay, it would be wisdom, consistency, and humility. And I see these three factors in every aspect of their life. And, if, and I think a real, um, uh, a real uh, test of character is seeing this consistently over a number of years, and we've seen that for the whole time that we've known them. So we really want to thank you guys. We love you. So Sam has already said that I'm a banker. Um, yes, that's what I do during the week. I, uh, I play with money. I lend it out. I hope to get it back at some point. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm also, I'm also a musician, and Kate and I have got two wonderful children, so I'm normally stuck behind the drums or behind the guitar. So, um, again, it's a, it's a privilege to be given an opportunity to speak. Normally, they like to keep you quiet behind the drums. Um, but this, this month, we're talking about generosity, and this is a topic that I love. Um, I actually find it to be quite a contentious topic. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have a lot of problems with generosity. Um, so I just want to say up front that generosity is a behaviour of Christians. It's yeah. a character of Christians. If you're here for the first time and you're coming, you don't know what we do, you don't know who we are, um, I just want to say salvation is not tied to generosity. Yeah. Yeah. Generosity is tied to a healthy Christian life, but it's not, they're not attached to each other. Yeah. And at the, at the end of this message, we're going to give everybody an opportunity to respond to Jesus, um, and I'll unpack that a little bit more about what's actually involved in salvation, uh, but I just want to be really clear with that right at the start. Um, so before we, get, before we kick off, let's, uh, let's pray, and hopefully God can help me get through this. <laughs> uh, Lord God, I thank you, I thank you for, for everybody that's come here tonight. Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity that you have, you've given me to sow into, into your church. Uh, Lord God, I pray that you'd guide my words and guide my, guide my mind. Um, I pray that I'd be open to everything you're wanting to say. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So if, if anybody, uh, anybody's been a Christian for a while, um, you, you hear a lot of things, you hear a lot of preaching. And like I said before, I've got two young kids and um, I find I've got, I've got a three-year-old, and again, if you've got three-year-olds, you know that there's a point in their life when they, they start to uh, ask the question, why? And it's an incessant why. It's not a, uh, it's not a why for, for any good reason, but I, I, he oscillates, my, my boy Max, he oscillates between why and no. Of the two, <laughs> I prefer why, because why um, indicates that he wants to learn something. Yeah. Um, and I, I grew up in the church, and I think... If you, once you've, sorry, this is flipping side to side. That's better. Um, <laughs> um, I've been, I've been, I grew up in the church, and as, as a child, you accept a lot of things. 
Um, but as you mature in your faith, you start to go, well, do I believe that? Here's the person that's on the stage actually telling me the truth. And you start to go, well, why is it that we always speak about generosity? Why is it we always speak about giving? Every week we have a tithe and offering moment. Um, and I love that. I love that, that my, my child would come and he would ask me the question of why, because I know that he wants to learn. I don't want him to get to the age of 18 and have never asked why for anything and somebody to come up against him and go, so why do you do that? And him actually not have an answer. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to unpack a few things um, tonight. And I, because I think that generosity and uh, the sort of the other half of it, which is prosperity, I think it gets a, a hard rap in the modern church. Yeah. Um, the two, I believe, are intrinsically tied together. But I think there's a misunderstanding of what that actually is. Yeah. Um, I, I grew up with Christian parents. Um, um, and my, my, Christian, my, my parents were poor. They didn't have a lot of money. Um, they did what I never encourage any young adults to do who are looking to get married. My parents had nothing when they were married. They, uh, they got married, they loved each other, and they went, yep, let's do this, let's, let's make a life of it. When they got married, they actually closed their bank account because they had no money. Um, and so I grew up, I grew up in, a, in a family that didn't have a lot. We, we, never, we never went without, but we didn't have um, the luxuries that I saw a lot of my friends having. So as I, as I grew older, I, um, I started to go out and I got a job. And, and if, you've, if you've got time, I'd love to tell you my parents' story because it's a story of God's faithfulness and they're definitely not uh, living in a, a life of lack now. But I, as I started to get older and I started to make my own decisions, um, the tithing, the tithe and offering thing sort of started to become real to me because I go, I'm now making my own money and, and what do I do with this? Because I never... I didn't get pocket money growing up, so I didn't get that opportunity to benefit from the spiritual discipline that we teach our, teach our kids from a young age of, yes, you do give to God. Um, so I never had that. So all of a sudden, I've got all this money, and I go, well, why am I giving this to the church? Because I made this. this is, I, I worked really hard, and I've got some money, so I don't have a lot of money because I'm a uni student, um, but I, 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 I need this. Um, and I think... We, we tie the fact that we tie this thought of generosity to the rich. Um, and I looked up, I looked up the, re, the root word of generosity, um, and it comes from a Latin root, uh, generosis, which actually means of noble birth. Um, and during um, uh, most recorded English uses of the word generosity, generous, up and during the 16th century, uh, reflect an aristocratic sense of being noble, of noble lineage or high birth. So it has this thing of, Nobility is, uh, generosity is for nobility. Generosity is for the rich. Um, but I'd just like to turn your attention to Revelation uh, chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Um, it says, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And, and I look at this and I go, The Bible says that I'm a king and priest. So all of a sudden, I am nobility. I, so... So I start to look at myself and I go, well, if I'm nobility, what do I have to give? Yeah. And I think um, uh, Pastor Remy had a great preach the other, the other week where she said, you're asking the wrong question. You're approaching it the wrong way. I go, it's not that you're giving out of this sense of having overwhelming um, supplies. It's what do I have that I can give? Yeah. Right. Um, so that was my intro. So I just want to talk about generosity tonight. And the title of my message and I am a banker, so my, my message is called Seed Plus Time Equals Harvest. <laughs> so if you can turn in your Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. Um, 
I, I do believe it is this clear. Seed plus time is harvest, equals harvest every time. Um, and there's a, there's a scripture in here. Um, if we skip forward to, chat, to verse 10, it says, Now he, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you're enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. And I think we could close the book and I could get down, we could have an altar call and we could all go home at that point because I think there's so much in that scripture. But if we just, if we just back up a step, um, back to verse 5, um, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a letter to the church. So this is, and again, this is a letter to, this isn't talking to non-Christians, this is talking to believers in the house of God. It says, um, and I'm, I'm using the New King James Version because it's the only real version of the Bible. Um, <laughs> anything else is, we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> it's just like the King James Version, but you can read it. Um, therefore, but it says in, in verse 5, it says, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren. Um, and I love that word, exhort. It's not a word that we use a lot. So New King James is still sort of along the way in the translations. But I looked it up and I was expecting to see something really powerful and forceful along the lines of, you must, um, um, oh, sorry, I'll, it says to, to prepare your generous gift. And I was expecting it to say, you must bring this gift, you must do this. But that word exhort actually means strongly encourage, which I think is a different angle altogether. It's not saying, this is something that you have to do. This is not, because I, I firmly believe that generosity, which is not free, is not generosity at all. Um, giving, giving without uh, being generous is tax. And we all pay tax. Nobody likes to do it, but we do it anyway. But we're not generously giving to the government. It's good to, it's good to do, but it's not generous. So we go on. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. So yeah. It shows, it shows a heart that wants to give. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And a, and a real, there's, a, there's a parable that Jesus uh, tells um, throughout his ministry, and it's the story of the talents. Um, and just to paraphrase for time, basically there's a master who, he has three servants. He's got one that he gives ten talents, one he gives five talents to, and one he gives a single. And he says to all of the three go out and basically invest, invest my money because I'm going to come back and I'm going to want to return. Um, and when he comes back, the, uh, the, the first, the first um, servant who had 10 talents goes out and he invests it and he turns it into 20 talents and he comes back and he says to God, oh, to the master, sorry, um, here, I've made 20. And he gives it back and he says, well, good, good job. Uh, away you go. Um, to the second one who had five, did the exact same thing, went came back with 10, so he's doubled it again. Says, great job, away you go. But then the, the, the servant who had a single talent, he's, he's looked at it and he's gone, well, I don't have very much. I don't have a lot to give. I don't have a lot to, to invest, and I don't want to lose what I've got. So he just takes it and he squirrels it away and keeps it for himself and says, all right, here you go. This is what you gave me. Um, I didn't do anything with it, but I didn't lose it either. And he says, go away from me, you wicked servant. And he takes what that person had and gave it to the one who had 20, who had the capacity to, uh, to grow that amount. Yeah. And there's a few points in this, in this scripture which I find are really powerful. Um, and the first is that God's not a socialist. God didn't give all of them 10 talents. He didn't give everybody the same thing and say, all right, here you go, everybody, come back. And um, yeah, 
Um, so the second point is that the 10 and the 5 had the exact same response from the master. So off the back of God not evenly distributing, the expectation from everybody also wasn't the same. Yeah. So for the one who came back with, with an extra 5, he said the exact same thing that he said to the one who had 10. And I think, and I think the final point is that the, the one who had one had a misunderstanding of what was required. Yeah. He, was, right. he was so scared about failing and so scared about losing what the master had given him, given him yeah. that he retreated back into himself and went, oh, listen, I, I don't think I can afford to give. Um, so, yeah, so if we go back to our 2 Corinthians 9, if we go back to verse 7, it says, so that each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, having all sufficiency in all things, having an abundance for every good work, as is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. And I think, I think that, that section in verse 8 is the, uh, is the key. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Saying that you have enough, we may not have as much as we want, but we have enough. Um, and I, I think about my parents' life. They didn't have a lot, but what they had was enough. We never, we never went without. Um, and then it goes on to say, Now may he who decides supply seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you're enriched in everything for an all liberality which causes thanksgiving unto God. So I think this, this second half highlights where our seed comes from. Because we... And this is, the, this is the misunderstanding that I had in my life. I go, well, I've actually, I've actually made this myself. But no, let's go back a step. And it says in the scripture that God actually gave me my gifts and talents. He gave me the ability to create wealth. He gave me the skills. He, he allowed me to grow up in the family that I grew up in to be able to be spoken into. <clears throat> and once we have an understanding of where our source is, um, we may not have, we may have a lot of uh, money to give, but I don't think generosity is just about money. Um, you, you may have gifts, you may have talents, you may have finances, you may have time, you may have emotional stability to put on somebody else. It's what do you have and what will you give? And when you understand that, it really unlocks it. Um, and the final point I think I have on seed is that seed won't grow if it isn't sown. So it says in John uh, 12, it says, unless a seed falls to the ground it will not, and dies, it will not bear fruit. So if a seed is in your hand, that's the least it'll ever be. It's never going to grow if, it, uh, if it's in your hand. And I do actually have a... Uh, ooh, that's very loud. I actually have a seed um, somewhere in here. <laughs> actually, before we came, I was just checking that I had all of my, uh, all of my props. And Max, my three-year-old, had actually eaten my seed. So I had to go and source another seed. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a bit of insight into my personal life. Um, let's have a drink. <laughs> very good, very good. So the second point to my algebraic message is time. Because the difference between this seed and this plant is time. So nobody, and I think this is, this is something that I personally have have battled with because I'm an impatient personality. I have some vision, so I go, this is what I have. If I give this, I'm going to invest this. I'm going to invest this time. I've got this idea. And now I want this. I want this to have grown. So I think, <laughs> yeah. so I think we need to have an understanding of God works on time. And in Ecclesiastes, it says everything, oh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, 
a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. <clears throat> and there's a, there's, a, um, there's a quote which I find really powerful. It's by Soren Kierkegaard, which says, life is lived forward and understood backwards. Yeah. And I think yeah. this, is, this is a key to understanding how God works. Right. Because I, I think in, a, in, the, in the moment, you, because you've lived life, you don't see the steps that have... T- you don't necessarily take stock and look at the steps that have taken, you've taken to get where you are. And I find that when I look back through my life, um, <clears throat> like, like it says in the Word, it says, God, you've been with me everywhere I've gone. And I look... I'm a, uh, I am a banker. I'm a musician by trade. I have no business being a banker because I'm underqualified. Um, and I've just sort of gone... I've just taken the next step in my life. And, and I sometimes tell people in my, in my work, and I go... Because um, so, they, they expect you to have a finance degree or a, an accounting degree. Because I work with really quite large numbers. And they go, you're a musician. Okay. And, and I find that my degree is a point of conversation, if, not, <laughs> if nothing else. But I go, I look at... If, if you told me when I was 18 where I would be now, you wouldn't, I wouldn't believe you because I have, I'm so underqualified. But I go, God's been with me and God's opened doors. He's put people around my life to speak into me and grow me. Um, and like I was saying before, so many times we sow and we immediately expect a return. We do, this, we do the exact same thing with prayer, where we go, oh God, this is something I'm believing for. And don't get me wrong, sometimes it happens straight away and it's amazing. But more, more often than not, there's a, there's a waiting period where, right. where, where something's happened. And God, God doesn't work on our schedule. Um, God is outside time. Um, if God was uh, constrained by time, he wouldn't be God. Um, for us to have the Bible in the first place, God must know the beginning from the end. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think there's, there's a wisdom that goes in that time period because I look at it, and, and, and this is another thing that I've wrestled with. It's like, well, God is the ultimate provider. He, he has everything I need. So, so why is it that, that I, I, I sow and I don't immediately reap? And, I, and I, I would put this forward. I would go, maybe, maybe it's not about the waiting period. Maybe God's not waiting for, because he wants to see you sweat, but maybe God's building something in us in that waiting period that goes where if, if God, if we sowed and then reaped straight away, we would grow at an unbelievably fast rate. And, and there's, a, there's a quote by, um, oh, I can't remember his name. He's a preacher. He said, he prayed to God and he said, God, please don't let my ministry grow, grow beyond where my character can sustain me. And I think and I look, at, I look at the disciples in the Bible as a prime example. You've got, you've got this band of misfits, and uh, you, you look at the start of the, uh, of the Gospels, and God's pulling together fishermen, he's pulling together tax collectors, he's pulling together all of these random people. And you go, if you looked at it at that point in time and go, you would go, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, surely you could go and pick some scholars. You would pick somebody who actually was qualified to do what they're doing. But these people, they, Jesus took them on a journey. And if, if you look at what happened to the disciples after Jesus left, it wasn't a rosy outcome. No. Most of, I think with the exception of John, all of them were martyred. So you go, you take a fisherman, and then the next day you say, go out and preach the gospel, and you're probably going to be killed by Romans. I go, That's, there's no way that they would be able to sustain that level of ministry. And I think you look at, it's a slow, it's a slow burn. It's a slow growing. It's a slow developing um, to get where we need to be. So my final point is on harvest. If, you've, if, you've got, if you sow and then you wait time, it is inevitable that there will be a harvest. And this is, this is true. This is, 
I, 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 I believe that harvest is an evidence of God's faithfulness. Um, and just to, to sort of sidestep a moment, um, again, because I'm, a, because I'm an analytical personality, I, uh, I, do, I do like to think about things and I like to analyse and get in behind why we believe what we believe. Um, and the, inevitably, for, for Christians who are anal- analytical thinkers, you go, well, is God actually real? What, what, what evidence is there that God actually exists? And I think it's a great question that we should all sort of look into because there's so much evidence. And one of the things that I, I come back to is the order that's in nature. Like you look at the fact that I can take water, I can put it on heat, water plus 100 degrees equals boiling water every single time. And I, and I look at this, this, uh, this principle of sowing plus time equals harvest. You can sow bad things into your life, wait time, and you'll reap the outcome of that. Um, it's not just, this isn't just a, a principle for Christians. Um, but when it comes to the harvest, I think, I think we sometimes miss the harvest because we, we have a misunderstanding of what we're looking for, of what the harvest actually is. Because, like I said at the start, we take generosity and we boil it down to money. And money is just, it's just one aspect of, of what we need in life. Um, God isn't just a divine investment plan where I sow my tithe every week and then I get a return tenfold, a hundredfold. It's a great scripture if you take it out of context. Um, but, but what you'll find is that if you take it out of context, it won't come true. And then you'll start to question if God's even real in the first place. Um, and then off the back of that, I go, well, what is the purpose of the harvest? If we're, if we're expecting a harvest, what is the harvest? And I go, if my harvest is just that I sow and then I grow and then I live this cushy life where, where I have everything that I need, I live without lack, which I believe that we can do as Christians because if we're following a spiritual life, we will be without lack. We'll have, we'll have sufficiency. I didn't say that everybody's going to have a Porsche. I said that we will have sufficient to, to do the work that God's called us, called us to do. Um, and I think if my, if my harvest is just about me, then my vision is way too low. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm being generous and I'm giving so that I can get a return to better my life, my, how small is my thinking? I'm going, this, I, I, don't, I don't believe that that was the purpose that God had planned for me. Uh, if, if that was the purpose, then God, as soon as, you would get, as soon as you got saved, God would take you up to heaven because you, there's no lack in heaven. So if our, if our purpose is to live without lack and to live without, if, is, sorry, if it's to live with abundance, then that's in heaven. Yeah. Um, so I go, I want, my, I want my harvest to be souls. I want my harvest to be what I'm leaving in other people. I want to have a generational harvest so that I don't see the end of the, 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 the seed that I've sown. Um, there's so much capacity locked within the, the confines of a seed that if you sow it, and if you water it, it will grow and it will produce and it will continue to produce uh, and it will continue to produce more seed, which will produce more seed, which will, and then it continues to grow. So I think I, I never want to see the end of what I'm doing right now. I don't want to see the end of, I don't want, I don't, to be honest, I don't even care if people remember me. Like I don't, I don't want this to be about me. I want this to be about the legacy that I leave behind. And, and I, I look at what we do as a church. Yeah, let's, let's bring it back to money for a moment. We, we sow our tithes and offerings every week. We generously give because we're a generous church. And, and you look at what's done with that. We, uh, we facilitate a, a church that is functioning in multiple locations, which allows people to come in and receive salvation. 
we, uh, we finance a she rescue home over in Cambodia where people come in and they're rescued off the streets, their families are saved, they're saved. It's a wholeness that comes into those lives. So if, you, if you're boiling it down to, um, I, I'm struggling with God because I, I can't afford to buy some things. That's just wrong. It's just, it's just too small. That's, we, we serve a massive God who has, who has great plans for us. He has, he, has, he has a plan for every single Christian. We're all part of the body of Christ. And if, if I could just land the, uh, if I could land the plane here, if I could just have everybody's heads bowed and everybody's eyes closed, I think, I, I firmly believe this, to, to understand the heart of God is to understand generosity. Um, in John chapter 12, verses 23 to 25, it says, But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And I believe that God wasn't just giving us a model to live by in this scripture. I believe he was talking about himself. This is, if you look at where this passage sits in the Bible, this is one of the, this is in the Last Supper. So this is, his, some of his parting words to his disciples, and he's looking at what he's doing in his life. He's going, unless a seed, Jesus, falls to the ground and dies, it, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Salvation is the, the evidence of Jesus coming and paying the price for us. He laid down his life, and we are his harvest. We are the harvest of Jesus' ministry. Um, it says in John 3.16, most people will know it, that for God so loved the world that he gave. And it's out of that heart of love, giving, that, that we're even here, that we're even able to do what we're, that we do. Um, so like I said at the start of this service, if you don't know Jesus, if this is your first time in the church, or maybe it's your hundredth time in the church, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is a type of what his character is. This is what he went through to get this message to you. Um, so, and I believe, I look at who is my Jesus. My Jesus is generous. My Jesus is loving. My Jesus cares. My Jesus goes above and beyond. And, and I would love to give everybody who hasn't had the opportunity in their life to, uh, to, to make a decision tonight, to, to come back to the Father, to say, yes, that is, that's a God that I can follow. That's a God that I want to meet. So I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, if, if, this is, if, this, if you would like to meet Jesus... If you want to know more about Jesus, I would, I would just ask you to raise your hand. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an act, nobody's, nobody's looking around, it's an act between you and God that opens up your heart saying, yes, God, I choose you. I choose, I choose salvation. I, I, I want to know more about this. I want to understand who you are. So on the count of three, go one, two, three. And if that's you, I just ask you to raise your hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. That's amazing. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else that would like to choose?